You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. A Scottish football podcast that isn't obsessed with just two teams. Niche nonsense. Or surprisingly brilliant. You decide. The Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. The cult Scottish Football Podcast now adapted into a hit TV show. Search the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast on your chosen podcast player now. Hello and welcome to Stop Hammer Time. And it's the first hammer time of the new season. Uh, a good uh, three to four weeks after the end of the previous season. In fact, we just, uh, none of us have moved. We've all been sitting <laughs> in front of our computers uh, for the last three weeks. We just thought we'd just carry straight on from the last game of last season. Um, uh, with me this week, as usual, are Jim Grant. Good evening. And uh, back again uh, uh, after last season. We, we, we met this guy for the first time last season and uh, what a pleasure it was to meet him and we got him back as soon as we could, which is now, at the beginning of this season, it is a stand-up comedian. He's performed at the O2 Arena or the Hackney Empire. He's performed on MTV, performed at Radio 1. Uh, he's worked with Tiny Temper, among other people. Uh, he's played in Ibiza. He's played in Africa. He's played all over the world. It is Kevin Jay. Hey, how are you? Thanks good. for having me back. How are you, Kevin? Yeah, good. Um, I, I, I think I'm good. I don't know. I haven't been out in the wider world to see how I how I actually am within <laughs> my within these four walls of my family. I'm I'm succeeding. Um, <laughs> I'm Facebook friends with a bloke who um, put, posted on Facebook yesterday uh, that he literally had not left his house literally not left the house for uh, six months since lockdown. He wow. left the house yesterday to teach a kind of socially distanced workshop. And while he was out, a Jeep crashed through his front wall and into the front of his house, uh, which is what happened the what? first day he left the house in six months. Oh. Wow. It's possible the Jeep was just waiting, waiting to do that. Yeah. Extraordinary. So, uh, during the course of this podcast, we will uh, discuss uh, the result at the weekend uh, against Newcastle and um, our slightly easier run of games against Arsenal, Wolves, Leicester, Spurs, Manchester City and Liverpool coming up. <laughs> and, uh, We'll also try and sort of run the rule over some of these kind of strange rumours that have been uh, not happening at all about transfers, but have been happening about takeovers. Um, we'll, uh, and that should see us probably to the end of the podcast. So to get the ball rolling, uh, we played at the weekend. We played Newcastle. Uh, Jim, you yes. uh, left apoplectic with rage. I mean, a towering... A towering rage is the only way I can uh, describe it. It was harrowing, uh, Kevin, absolutely <laughs> harrowing. I don't know if yeah. you've uh, worked in the prison services or the army, but uh, the, the scenes, the scenes, I mean, Jim was, he was in Surrey, so I, I'm not good with distances, but that, probably over 600 miles away. But I could sense the heat of his fury of yeah. the laptop. I mean, it was extraordinary. Well, and you know, I should have, I should have learned, really, shouldn't I? By now, I shouldn't get angry. No, no. Uh, I mean, I don't use the word. 
I don't use the words killing spree that often, but uh, I feel that it was sort of appropriate. Um, and uh, yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was harrowing. Um, the thing that really, I mean, obviously we've watched disappointing performances, uh, you know, over the years and, and, and we're used to that to an extent. But the, the thing that did get me was that, you know, you've just list, you've just reeled off the fixture list. And so looking at that, You've got to say this opening game against Newcastle. We've got to make a statement in terms of at least in yeah. terms of attitude and approach to the game. You know, the, 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 we've got a, a ridiculously difficult run of, of, of games coming up. Um, we don't want to be we want to be on the front foot. We should have been in their faces. We should have been you know, really, really setting a tempo. And it was such a disappointingly lacklustre uh, performance, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't. You know, if we'd have really had a go, it'd been a tight game, and we'd lost it three-two or something. Uh, you know, you accept that these things happen, but it was so um, clear that that their signings all made an impact. That they that they seem to be a, a, a football club moving forward, and we felt like a, a football club in regression. Certainly on that evening, anyway. Yeah, Kevin, what did you make of it? I I um I, I couldn't actually even uh, get angry about it. I just it was everything I thought it was going to be. I didn't right. expect anything less. I right. expected players to be played out of position. I expected there to be a, a lack of enthusiasm to even be on the pitch. Um, and I think all of that all of that shone through. And I think when you've got Declan Rice, who looks like he's running in treacle, who's been our standout player for, in my opinion, the last two seasons easily um and he just looked you know he just looked jaded um and yeah. and, and i i i don't i don't think it's physical i don't think any of them are physically jaded it's, it's, all, it's all mental isn't it so everything that's going off going on sorry off the pitch is quite obviously taking its toll on them um and that's why they all just look like they just didn't want to be there yeah i mean i i uh... You know, I, I feel largely the same, but, you know, perhaps on a more positive note, I thought, you know, those first two games after lockdown, the, the Wolves and the Spurs, those were absolutely terrible. I mean, and I thought, I mean, this, I thought we looked like Barcelona compared to those first two games. I thought at least we looked you know, to have a basic level of sort of competence. And we were sort of in that game, you know. In the I mean, first half, I think that's true of the first half. But I think you know, we, we, we had more possession, we had more shots, we had more shots on target, we had more corners, but, you know, at the same time, there was something we were not doing right. But but I did think we, we didn't look like that. I mean, those we looked dead and buried after Wolves and Spurs, and then the Chelsea game came and we turned up for that. And then... Mm very good for the last seven games including that Chelsea game um, but yeah I mean I think I think as well as Kev as you say the sort of things that are happening off the field it is still very close to that um, last seven games of the season where we played very hard and worked very hard and you know I think possibly they they mentally sort of haven't had enough kind of time away it sort of felt like having to maintain the intensity to just keep yourself in the division uh, is very difficult to sort of, you know, keep going to sustain because we've got such a thin squad. It's basically the first 11. You knew what it was going to be. It just picked itself because it's never, it's, it's never different. Yeah. And I, and I think, I think, you know, in the close season, when you make a couple of signings, um, you have a bit of a break, you come back for the, for the start of the new season and you've kind of, However, the, the the end of the last season went. You've put that to the back of your mind. Whereas I, I, it feels like it's just been an international break as yeah. opposed to the start of a new season. Um, and 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 unfortunately, the off the field antics has haven't hasn't allowed the momentum, the, the positive momentum that we ended with, to carry yeah. on. Because there is no reason as to why we shouldn't be, you know, hitting the ground running with exactly starting exactly the same team. What's changed? Exactly me, my it's, point. It's, it's yeah. off the field stuff. There's that's no other exact, reason. Yeah, that's exactly my point. You know, uh, and and then you know, I I don't care what's going on off off the field. They're they're professionals. It's a football match. For you know, um, you've got you've got to you've got to have respect as a professional. You've got to you've got to commit yourself and 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 um, play to 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 the 
you know best of your ability on on the night. And um, we had too many too many players way subpar, didn't we? I mean, you know, you can you can accept that your player has a bad game, or it, but it was it it felt like a malaise through the whole through the whole. Team. I thought one, I thought one thing that typified it was. Um, uh, you know, Antonio in those last seven games was like a completely different footballer. The things that he was, you know, unfortunately were really lacking in his game because, you know, he does have about half the game of a top flight Premier player. Fortunately, the half that he does have um, is uh, is fantastic. You know, he's physically very strong. He's quick. Um, he's fearless. But... Um, there was a moment when he, you know, went on a long surging run and did what old Antonio does, which is basically just not look up and keep going until he sort of yeah. fell over when he could it's have just... swear. A new Antonio, Antonio Mark II, who played in those last seven games of, you know, last season, which is only three weeks ago or four weeks ago, would have maybe looked up and squared it. But it was a bit more like... The Antonio of old, who's just going. I'm just gonna, just gonna keep going, keep going as long as I can, oh, and eventually just gets tackled or runs it out of play. And um, you know, I thought that that sort of typified it for me. Who else did you think, you know, underperformed then, guys? Well, I thought, um, as I say, I think both the, the the two kind of star midfielders fell fell below par. They didn't have dreadful games but but um they didn't have the impact that uh you'd expect them to have so that's Suchek and 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 rice so so newcastle bossed it in in, in midfield um i thought uh four now struggled to get in in as occasionally the the, the case when he's out on, on the left struggled to get into the game um i thought antonio didn't didn't as you've already mentioned have a particularly uh, particularly good game um you know the defence was sort of you know sort of there, um, but you know we we know the problems with the fullbacks. The fullbacks, what you got one who's got ability, but his his uh, you know his legs have gone really. Uh, another one who's got fantastic legs, but not a lot of ability. And and uh, you know um, it just it felt like a team. It looks like a team that needs freshening, freshening up. Need, you know, new, they needs competition in places. It needs you know the stuff that new signings that bring you just a, just a few key um, new signings. Do you um, think it's sort of key? Do you think there's selection issues as well? What do you think, Kev? I think I, I'm not David Moy's biggest fan, but I have a lot of empathy for the position that he's in. Um, there are there are selection issues. There's comp there's there's a lack of competition for places, and I think that's that that's a challenge for him. And I also think the team know it. The team the team know you know. And I think what does it say to a team that has you know three attacking midfielders on the bench and Noble is playing in that position? Yeah, yeah. 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 And it's those it's those subconscious messages that go out that you just think, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> You know, it's it's like it's like being in a car with your mate, and he takes you to his neighbourhood and locks the doors. And you go, well, why are you locking the doors in your own? Na- what do you know that we don't? Um, and and I think when that lineup comes out, you you just I think everyone probably just think, and it's not I'm not criticising Noble. It's just that's not his position. So um, there are definitely selection issues. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree. I think there's four players in three positions at the moment. I think you, you know, you you don't need um, Suchek, Rice, and Noble. But if Noble is absolutely fantastic in training every day, and like we don't see that, and Moyes does, and he's absolutely undroppable, and also he's the captain, and he is a good player. Well, then play Rice uh, and uh, Rice and Suchek, and play Noble as the number ten. Give him all the responsibility. Give him give him the kind of uh, linchpin role, and then put three you know attacking players in front of them. For you know Fornells might be one of those, but I would say. Antonio, Alaire and Yarmolenko or something. Um, or you drop Noble and you play uh, Fornells there in that kind of number 10 roles. But at the moment, you know, somebody, I don't know if it was on Facebook or Twitter, but sort of live, you know, live tweeting during the game when I didn't realise that we now played four six as a formation because that's what <laughs> it seemed like. It seemed like there's yeah, four, yeah. four people that you could tell what their jobs are in defence. 
and then just six blokes in front of them who all seem to have roughly the same job. I mean, you just yeah. can tell. And I, I sort of think, you know, you there's always it, nearly every manager has that thing where they go. Oh, actually, he is really good, Noble. He does bring something. They tried dropping him for a couple of games, and then, you know, we play badly, so they bring him back in. And that's okay. But then if you're going to bring him back in, well, then put him in a position that he owns and give him that responsibility. Because at the moment, just running along next to three other blokes who are all just running along. I mean, it's like... In the build-up play, it was almost like a superstition that everybody had to get a touch. It's like when we pick the ball up in midfield, make sure every midfielder touches the ball. You know, David Moyes taps Kevin Nolan's head for luck. And then we start our attack when the other team's reorganised itself and it's just got everyone behind the ball. It was so... it's something we've seen over recent years uh, with different... Not just with Moyes, you know, that, that, um, that ponderous approach play where um you know the ball gets the we keep possession a lot but we don't really do anything with it and newcastle just very very cannily sat there they 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 closed down um when necessary they kept their shape and and they and they looked dangerous on the break and they had an outlet with carol up front i mean carol bullied our center halves all night um yeah. And they, of course, went with, you know, two up front, which, of course, we've got this sort of pathological thing of not having two strikers. Um, but a lot of teams do play with two strikers now. And um, uh, so they had they had options all over, all over, all over the all over the park, really. And, and you know, Hendrick I thought, had an excellent game. You know, they're a good side, you know, and I think one of the things I suppose when I you know, clutching for positives would be to say, actually, we looked at that thinking that was the winnable game of that first run. But actually, I suspect they might be a dark horse. They might they might do a bit better um, than people imagine this this season. I think they've strengthened very sadly. Callum Wilson's a player I would have liked to have seen come to West Ham over the over the years. Yeah, um, I think he's a good player. He was nailed on. He was going to, you know, one of those players who's always going to score against you, like Lukaku always scored against us. Yeah, um, and I think um, you know they they just were better than us, weren't they? They were better set up. They were they won individual duels. They had more pace going forward. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we lost to a we you know, we were sort of, as you say, in the game in the first half, but in the second half we just kind of capitulated really and, and they lucky to lose it only two 0 I think really. But they they won it comfortably, didn't they? Really comfortably. I guess so. I mean, you know, there was some there was some uh, aspects in which we didn't get the rub of the green. Kev, what did you think? There was there was a penalty shout. You know, um, Andy Carroll's elbow was. Uh, you know, I thought. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we we could have we could have easily been one nil up with them down to ten men quite quite easily. But yeah. I think, and and that is that is that is a a way you could look at it. But I think should we be as as a club the size of West Ham be looking at a game against Newcastle going well we could have been or no, yeah. actually watched you know and I think I forget who was on commentary but they were saying about Antonio and they were saying you know he's really going to grow into the role as a striker and mm. the more he plays there he'll learn the learn the trade or something to yeah. paraphrase and I thought do you know what he's 30 odd years old or yeah. 30 um we're West Ham United. We we shouldn't have a. Sh- we're not a Sunday League team where Big Tony's no. going to go up front for a run. Like we need we that 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 that's. And I think that's where it it lent itself to the last seven games. You know, uh, Antonio could really kind of get up for those games and really shine through. I know there was talk of him being on a, a bonus if he. I think it was got ten goals, and I think all of those yeah. things, the wind and all of those things blew in his direction. A yeah. Thirty. 36, 38 game season of Antonio as your lead striker is not yeah. going to work. Well, especially, especially when nominally, you know, you've, you've spent most of last year's and this year's transfer budget apparently on on a striker who scored, well, he's now scored, he's scored two tonight so far, uh, you know, nine goals in 38 games for the club. So, you know, Haller's got to step up this season. He, we need him to, to, to do what he's, you know, what we've invested in him for him to do. Well, and, he needs uh, to, yeah, but he does need also to get people sort of closer to him as well. You know, a lot of that, his bad performance last season under Pellegrini was being played completely on his own with five men, you know, several yards behind him. Um, an, I think there's no doubt an element of truth in 
that. But it's also the case that he isn't quite the dynamic player we were we were led to believe he was going to be. I mean, he 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 has also underperformed. I think, you know, and you may need to make things happen sometimes, don't you? And he's not. He yes. looks like the kind of player who finishes things off, not a player who kind of bullies defenders and makes things happen. Uh, and, no. and um, you know, it's it's a it's a it's an indictment of transfer policy over a number of. I mean, the, the, you know, this situation hasn't come about sort of overnight. It's been it's been you know they it was it was we on this podcast were were not advocates of getting rid of Moyes first time, not necessarily because Moyes is the greatest manager on earth, but because it was another destabilizing thing. And and suddenly money was made available for the for the kind of marquee manager. Pellegrini and an awful lot of money was spent, not very, as it turns out, wisely. Um, and you know, so it's it's you know, there's lots of wheels within wheels in terms of where we are. Um, and we've still got some good players. You know, we've yeah. Seen how, how what would, what, I mean, what would we like to see? Um, you know, moving forward, as we say, in the next few games, um, to see changes to the team. Uh, well, I think we need more width. I, I felt we were very narrow, and we are very narrow when Fornells plays in that in that left on that left side. So I would like to see him, um, or maybe you know, oh, give him another chance. And I would like to see someone who's not noble in that advanced midfield position behind behind the strikers. Um, but, do you, but do you? I mean, do you achieve that by going four four two or four five one? Because what we, I think, what we were sort of playing was, was kind of four three three or some variation. Yeah, I, well, I think it was, and that seems to be what. I mean, I don't think I'm not sure that that is going to change. I would possibly like to see us with the resources that we've got. You know, um, play with three at the back because that would allow us to play two up front with wing backs and still have your, you know, your playmaker and your two holding midfielders. So it seems to me that the personnel that we have at the moment is quite well suited to that to that setup. Yeah. Um, in the game before lockdown, that sound, that, that very good performance against Southampton, um, we did have uh, a more central four nails, and we did have Bowen and Antonio either side of Allaire in what felt like a genuine attacking front three. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I, I think I'd like to see that. I think in those kind of front, you know, those those teams that do play with that kind of front three, um, unless you have really, you know, wing-hugging fullbacks like Liverpool do, um, it's quite often expected that one of those those front three they'll 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 hug the touchline for a bit and then either cut inside or cross it, you know. And uh, I think Bowen does do that, you know. I think he's part of the front three often when he's played, but he does. He tends to go out wide and 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 you know run with the ball. Yeah, yeah. I like him a lot. I I would add him, however, to the list of people who had a really under par game on yeah. on Saturday. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Kev, what do you think? What would you like to see? Oh, I, I, I echo the majority of what you said. I, there's something about seeing Bowen in, 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 in the number 10 role that quite excites me because he's 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 probably one of our only players that can, well that I think some of our players can do this but he's the only one that seems to be doing it is beating a man, so I don't know he may go in there and be absolutely out of his depth because he's used to be, being on the wing but actually I, I think seeing Bowen in the, in the number 10 role where he would pick up the ball, turn and actually run at defenders um, yeah. I think that could be quite exciting with yeah. if they if they insisted on four nows on the left and then bringing Yarmolenko in, you know, yeah, um, yeah. So, something like that, or or or, or having four nows in in that number ten role, but just someone that's gonna, you know, with the again with the greatest respect to Noble, he likes to pick up the ball, he likes to pass the ball sideways, and there's nothing wrong with that um, in the middle third of the pitch. But when you're when you're you know approaching their their 18 yard rocks we kind of need someone that's got a little bit more agile than noble can pick a pass beat a man and, and run at defenders so i'd just like to see someone in that in that position that's really kind of enthusiastic in in terms of attacking i think yeah. so I, I, what i like about four uh, is that his instinct is always to move the ball quickly mm. so uh, you know i think that that that's it we do need um to play at a, at, a, at a better tempo in those games where we did well, 
in you know in lockdown football, um, we um, I thought we you know we moved the ball quickly. We can There was a lovely well. there was a lovely move at the weekend that ended in a very yes. tired shot from Rice, wasn't there? Um, in which Fornells played a brilliant uh, slide roll pass, spotting a run from um, Bowen. You know, a terrific, yeah. a terrific pass, and it was a good, you know, example of you know on the same pageness. You know, yeah. Bowen started that run. Fornell saw it straight away and hit a ball. You know, through a gap that Fornells then just ran, busted gut to run at that gap, got the ball, got it over, and then it was a tired shot from I think Rice. Yeah, we we I just just hit the legs of a player in front of him, and yeah. you're going. It was always going to do that, mate. We have one or two promising moments in the first half down there, their left, our right, with, you know, uh, balls inside the full, in, in between, you know, in, in balls yeah. played through the channel. But, um, and, and although, you know, Frederick has got the pace uh, and he did one brilliant bit of covering uh, in that first half as well. He's got the pace, but he's not got the quality of, of delivery or, or the football brain to, to do much with it when he gets into those positions, I don't think. Um, uh, yeah. he's, he's quick, but he's not—he's not a footballer, in my I view. Think he can put in a good cross. I think you know. Yeah. I mean, it's just got to be people have got to hit positions that demand that cross. You know, I do think that I do think that um, uh, you know it is a shame that either Alaire or Yarmolenko can't start the game. You know that we've got two recognised strikers on the exactly. bench. Yeah, we start with, um, you know, a, a um, makeshift striker in Antonio, you know. And as you say, Kevin, it's like a 30, you know, they're enthusiastically talking about a kind of 30-year-old man learning some new tricks, you know. It's sort of... Uh, it's, it's, I mean, Phil, it's like what you were saying, what, you know, what's going on in training? Why isn't you'd have thought someone like Haller should be, should be really just making himself, you know, it's undroppable. He should be the first, first, first pick in that in that position. And we can put together a lineup that gets him and Antonio and a Bowen or a Yamalenko in the in the same because we've we've seen us play with that formation. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. I think Hannah should be in the team. And you know, you want to see, you want to, you know, he's a pick for him and Anderson to be kind of such peripheral players for eighty odd million pounds worth of expenditure. Right. It's a disaster. It's a disaster. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about um, uh, uh, transfers and the like uh, after this message. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, Check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. Right, welcome back. Uh, we, we, uh, yeah, we were just saying that, uh, you know, that we're in this absurd situation where our, our record signing and then our previous record signing, who is our second top uh, money value signing, can't get in the team. Um, and, you know, if you add to that, Yarmolenko was probably about 20 million or something. He can't get in the team either. And, um, you know, it's worrying. And there seems to be a sort of strange thing happening now in the transfer window. We literally look like we're not going to buy anyone. Um, and yeah. it's question that we have to sell to buy. I don't know. Yes. We haven't talked about the Diangana sale yet. No, no. What did you make of that, Kevin? I think um, I, I I don't personally think it's as terrible as everyone as as as, as, as not everyone as some people have made out. I think I think um, he, for me it was a, a lot of money for an unproven 
young player. He hadn't done anything in the Premier League. Yes, he looked promising. Yes, he had done great in the Championship. Um, I think it, it, it was a case of the board having to sell because no one else was worth anything. No, that's that's the, yeah. that's the that's the travesty. The travesty is that whoever's the head of recruitment, whoever was the person that sanctioned the Haller, Anderson, Yarmolenko, Wiltshire, the list goes on. Batch of signings. That's the travesty. Not that Diangana was sold. No, that's right. <laughs> it, it's yeah. it's that how yeah. have you spent 120 million pounds on players and that none of them are now worth 50 percent of what <laughs> what you pay? Yeah. That's yeah. the travesty. That's not absolutely right. About, yeah. It might yeah. Be. yeah. In our end of season podcast, I was saying to you, Phil, wasn't I, that, that uh, you know, I thought I think we will hang on to Rice, um, but because I felt at the time we had other saleable assets, what I didn't expect was that the saleable asset would be would be the player who's been out on loan uh, in the Championship and has hardly played a Premiership game. You know, yes. I, um, I think you're right, Lynn. In pure footballing terms, you know, that, that it might well be, be kind of you know to a certain extent make a degree of sense not not sense exactly but uh, certainly you know you could justify in footballing terms but everything's context as you say and the context in which that's happened is 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 the whole last few years and all the rhetoric about you know the academy and we're not a selling club anymore and all this stuff about you know that people have, have many fans have bought into um that's why i think the reaction to it has been so intense because it it seems it's ascending to everybody, and clearly from Noble's tweet and whatever, also the players themselves. It's just sending the wrong message. It's it's uh, it's taken on greater significance than than just a footballing decision. I think. Yeah, it's 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 funny, isn't it? Because it it is. Um, we you know if they do have to sell to buy, uh, I think you're I think you're right, Kevin. He is he is. People were. Um, building him up a little bit because he is entirely untested and, uh, um, you know, has only really kind of made a splash in the championship. However, he is, um, given our quite unbalanced squad that does lack in certain departments, he is a sort of pacey wide man. And that feels like something at least coming off the bench that we could really do with to change a game, you know. Well, you know, there've been lots of times, aren't there, where where like you look at the bench and you're thinking of like taking, you know, Noble or or, or four nails off, and on the bench are Anderson, Wilshire, other wannabe number tens. Yeah. You know, everyone wants to be a number ten, and you know, well, you're just gonna, you know, whereas someone who might run at them, um, you know, there was a time when we were saying. Antonio, you know, when we were saying he's not the most complete footballer in the world, under perhaps, you know, Pellegrini, when when we were looking really good, we were going, Antonio might not be able to get in the team, but he'll be fantastic coming off the bench with his physicality and his pace. <laughs> and now we're relying on him to do, like, everything. Exactly, exactly. I mean, I think that's it, isn't it? I mean, we've, you know, um, in theory, we should have sold Dean Garner because he simply couldn't get in the team because he was being kept out by our 40 million pound superstar flair filled Brazilian winger. Mm. Um, and the reality is we've sold him because nobody would buy our uh, 40 yeah. million pound uh, <laughs> winger who is, turns out to be actively shit. And uh, you know, that, that, it, you know, I think a real test of Moyes' man management is if he can get, he's got to get some kind of tune out of out of Anderson and Allaire, really, hasn't he? I mean, that's, yeah, that's his challenge. Yeah. Because the talent is there. We've seen it, you know. Yeah, so. and he can't... I mean, we, we've seen quite a few times that David Moyes is... Um, he's quite cautious to change. He does change things, and he changes them quite dramatically, but, but often it takes him a while to do that. I think he has to see sort of something work uh before he'll instigate it full time you know um so quite often we've seen us get to a slightly slow start under Moyes he was slow to get his ideas across and I actually said in a way don't think he had any ideas when he came in after (laughs) Billy he just had this bunch of players dysfunctional bunch of players and probably a toxic atmosphere in the dressing room and he just had to put them out on the pitch for a couple of games and see what they look like and then start making decisions. And he sort of did that last time as well. And, and, and 
obviously he brought in Suchek and Bowen, which is great. And, and um, you know, by the end of the season, we looked a really good outfit. But again, we've got off to a slow start with last Saturday's yeah. game. But yeah. he's got to, he's got to start. You know, one game into a 38-game season, running the same 11 players out on the pitch, he's got to start thinking about those other guys. And you know, he made that double substitution, but quite late in the game. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever that's when everyone makes substitutions. It didn't feel yeah. like he made that change for tactical reasons. Going, yeah, La, you know, Yamo and and Alaire are really going to hurt them now. I'm going to do that. He just did it because he went. Well, the guys they're replacing will be a bit knackered. Yeah, I agree. I agree with all of that. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I just, I you know, the the the. Uh, obviously, the rumor mill's been uh, the sale of rice. Uh, all the time, but I mean, this—it um, is sort of worrying that. Um, I guess that is just a question of it's sort of accountancy, really. We did for two seasons running under Pellegrini, spend a lot of money, and they're—I guess—they're just saying we, you know, we we slightly went in the hole a bit there, and we can't actually do it this third time. We thought we would be, you know, doing better, and we spent the you know the investment under under Pellegrini in two summer transfer windows. Um, you know, we yeah. went right in the hole. We put our hands in our pocket and pulled out a lot of money and we just yeah. can't do it a third time. We haven't got that money. No, so we're left wondering whether there are going to be this time three teams worse than us. Mm. Um, and it, the, the, <laughs> that, that it's looking a little bit thinner on the ground when we when you start to look for them, isn't it? Uh, you could say Fulham, maybe Brighton, um, West Brom, um, you know, I still yet to be convinced by Aston Villa. I'm not. I'm not. You know, they, they they're not going to be great again. I don't think. No. Um, oh, Sheffield United won't have the season they had last season, but they they won't be they won't be terrible. I don't think. Leeds um, no. are obviously going to take the take the division by storm. I suspect. Um, you know, uh, Leicester have really moved into the level of teams above us. Everton have made some good signings. Um, yeah. You know, we're we're going to be in the bottom six, come what may. I think, and uh, it was you know, it, you keep playing Russian roulette like this, you're gonna you're gonna find the bullet at some point, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's right. I mean, we uh, we were heavily reliant on that three teams worse than us last season, weren't we? I mean, we, were. we, we looked sort of dead and buried after Christmas. I think sort of. Um, we were really wondering where the points were going to come from. And I remember doing one of these and, uh, you know, whoever I was doing with you, probably Jim and someone else, both kind of went, oh, no, I think we're probably going to go down. You know, that's what um, it felt like. And, well, Suchek and Bowen saved, saved us, didn't they? Yeah, they made a huge difference, yeah. Uh, and there are these rumours of a kind of possible club sale. Have we seen any of this? Yeah, I saw um, Jacob's article in The Guardian. Yeah. Yeah. Have you been aware of any of this, Kev? This sort of yeah, I saw, I saw the uh, I saw the Guardian, I saw the Guardian article, and then I was unfortunate enough to hear Simon Jordan on Talksport this morning, right? Um, giving giving his insight. Um, I, I I I think you know it's just who would buy us in the state we're in. I I, I don't know. Um, yeah, in, ter in terms of with that clause, and I don't, I don't know what it, it actually looks like, but there's the rumored clauses, and I don't know if they are rumors or whether they're real. Um, with regards to the, if they sell the club before 2023, I think it is. Yeah, uh, there's a there's the additional fee and stuff like that, and I think you know, uh, th th there may be someone out there that really looks at us as a project, and it would have to be someone that looks at you know, West Ham as a project in its entirety, and kind of they're going to come in and throw. I don't know, six, seven hundred million at us to, to get us where we need to be. Um, I, I, yeah. Yeah. I think you've got to see it as, I mean, whoever's going to buy it would buy it as, as something seeing the potential. And the potential is undoubtedly there. We, we, I think we know that. Um, I, I, I think from the, from, from Golden Sullivan's point of view, um, I'm, I'm no kind of financial expert or business expert at all, but um you know they've got you. You're absolutely right. I think that thing is does exist. The punishment thing, you know, financial punishment for before 2023 if they sell it. But they've got to look at how much are they going to have to invest to protect their investment to stay up because the the bigger the bigger financial penalty would be going down. 
Mm. So uh, then they'd have much, much less to sell. So I think they've they must be weighing up whether or not um, to take to take an offer now, that, and, and that presumably wrap some kind of compensation into it for that for that financial penalty. Um, and uh, you know, it's not you know it's not really conspiracy theory to be thinking that actually the the lack of investment in the team might well be to do with preparation for for sale. You, you never know. Um, no, no. I mean, it feels like a few clubs have, um, you know, had a bit of investment. I don't really follow the sort of financial side of football. Obviously, like for a few years now, it's felt that Everton have, I don't know if they've been, you know, someone's, you know, come in. Oh, yeah, I think to so. invest in them or something, because they used to be sort of at the same level as us, didn't they? I remember Bill Kenwright at the beginning of one season, might have even been sort of later Moyes or early Martinez saying there's literally no money this season. We're going to have to go with the same team again. You know, we can't if we haven't got any money. Um, and... Uh, yeah, other times when it looked like teams were going to get some kind of big... Didn't Fulham sort of have a lot of money? Well, they spent a lot of money... The last time they came out, they spent £100 million, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they must have got some money from somewhere, and, and uh, but that didn't really sort of seem to come to anything, and they went back down again. Um, so, yeah, I mean, certainly financially, we don't necessarily know who the, those three teams are, but also there are some other teams that might slightly go to another level, like, you know, the, the way Wolves clearly, you know, someone yeah. had them a lot of money very suddenly and they came up and, you know, had a really good first season in the, in the premiership. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it, if we're just not... We're just not going to buy any new footballers. We've really got to look at, as you say, getting some of the people that play, you know, that nominally are in our squad, uh, got to get them playing, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and hope you don't get key injuries because, mm. you know, uh, 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 we, we are really vulnerable. I mean, we, we've got two really good central midfielders in Rice and Suchet, but, but um, uh, behind them, it's Josh Cullen and Mark Noble. That, that, and that, that's it. You know, yeah, yeah. Connor Coventry, you know, that's that's and we're not going to strengthen there. So, you know, it's a real worry. Yeah. And you would, you know, you would hope that, that Moyes isn't so cautious that he's kind of blind to the fact that, you know, Antonio and Noble are both, you know, quite long in the tooth. And, uh, you know, Antonio is quite injury prone and to basically just go, you know, Mikhail will just go out and do what he does every week, and that's how we play. Um, you know that just can't be. We've got to. Um, you know what we did. Ha what we did lack on Saturday was a little bit of a system, wasn't it? We didn't feel like we really yeah. knew how we were going to put the ball in the net. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I think that we were too narrow. We were too ponderous. Um, yeah, it felt it felt quite clueless a lot of the time. I agree. Yeah, so we've got these, um, you know, we've got six games coming up. Arsenal, Wolves, Leicester, Spurs, City, Liverpool. I mean, that, you know, on paper, if we were, you know, to give, sort of giving our uh, uh, match day predictions, uh, you know, you'd see all of those as a loss, wouldn't you? Yeah. I yeah. mean, you know. Oh, yeah. you know, Wolves was the one we were scared of before lockdown happened when we were looking at that sort of quite difficult run of games uh, where Spurs and Chelsea were coming up. Um, we thought actually the hardest one was going to be Wolves. And in a sense, we were proved right. Yes. Without beating Chelsea, uh, we lost to Spurs. But but yeah. Wolves, you know, we, we didn't even turn up against them, but also they are good. I'd say Spurs are a team that have got their own problems. So, yeah. Uh, you know, always that's always a kind of you know unique feel to that game, even if there isn't a crowd there. So I think I think you'd give us a chance in that. We have played well against Arsenal in in recent years without any luck. So maybe we yeah. get a bit of bit of a break against them. Um, we did well at Liverpool. You know. Um, yeah. before, before the lockdown, so it's not, I, I don't think we're you know I'm sure we'll be. We'll have chances and we'll be competitive. We're a threat from set pieces. You know, we're not. There's a physicality in the team that that makes us not easy necessarily to play against as we once perhaps were. But uh, you know, yeah, you can you can see that you could easily see a run of defeats there. 
kind of kind of you know domino effect because because once you've lost two or three games at the start of the season the next one because you know the pressure mounts mm. um all i can say is if we don't win if we don't get you know four or five points from that from that run of games Moyes won't survive that i don't think i mean if 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 if, if we if we lose our first seven games of the season he's, he's gone do you think so instead. yeah um, uh, no yeah. manager no manager survives six, seven defeats in a row. But it's, I mean, it, you know, it's just so ironic that this kind of, you know, we were looking for the idea that he might stabilise us after yeah. after Bilic, comes in, they don't keep him, get a new fancy down European manager, that doesn't work out, comes in, stabilises him, then they don't give him any money. No, exactly. No, I, think I mean, they are literally, that, yeah. if they do fire him, it will be like they've kind of, they've sabotaged him and yeah. then fired him. You know, by not giving him any money to spend on footballers. Yeah, you know, I and agree. Having, totally. You know. What do you reckon, Kev, about this little run of games? Well, I was just, I just got the fixtures up actually. And I was looking at them, and not to be a pessimist, but we come off the back of that six, and then we have Fulham, Sheffield United, Aston Villa, and then it's uh, Man United, Leeds, yeah. Chelsea. <laughs> yeah. So it's yeah. I mean, listen. Uh, Many, many seasons have gone by where we've looked at a run of games that are packed with the top six and we come out of it with nine points. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I, I could sit here and go, yeah, we're not going to get anything from Arsenal. And I don't think we get anything from Wolves because we haven't the last two seasons and and, 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 and similarly with with Man City. But we've we've done all right against Liverpool and, and, and Arsenal in terms of the way we've played. We haven't got the results. Yeah. So... I'm 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 confident in not in the team, not in the manager. <laughs> I'm confident in the West Ham way, as it were, that yeah. we tend to just get points from games that you look at and think, how have you come off of that run with nine points? Um, so, I, it's listen, it's going to be a challenge. I don't think we can look at this next six or seven games and think, oh, this is this is a challenging run of fixtures. The season's going to be a challenge. Um, We've, and I think we've we've covered off all the reasons why squad depth, lack of a system, lack of transfers. Um, you know, I think sold Diangana, got your 22 million, and then went in the market with it and realised that you were um, <laughs> yeah. you were you, you 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 didn't actually have much. Uh, no, 22 enough. million yeah. don't go very far nowadays. Um, I wonder. What, I wonder what sort of uh, if any difference uh, Kevin Nolan and Stuart Pearce are making. You know. Um, I, 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 you know, people quite often put two and two together in quite a simplistic way. Like when, when, um, when Billich got Julian Dix in, you know, there were people going, yeah, two defenders will be just brilliant defending as if they're going to put their boots on and do it themselves. You know what I mean? And, um, uh, Obviously, with both Kevin Nolan and, and Stuart Pearce, there's a little bit of sort of chatter on social media going, yeah, they're going to give us that bit of grit that we really need. But, I, you know, I'm not sure it sort of works that way. It's like saying, you know, if we get yeah. Naomi Campbell, the team will get prettier. Um, I, mean, I, I don't like... think I don't think the, the, the hard nut coach exists that would turn Philippe Anderson into a gritty footballer. No. It's, just, it's never going to happen, is it? Um, Stuart Pearce has managed at quite a high level. You know, it sort of feels like, um, you know, knowing nothing about what what it's like on the training ground and what their routine is like. It feels like if if football clubs need assistant coaches, it feels like he, on paper, might be quite a good one because he's managed at, you know, quite a sort of high level. England under-21s, Manchester City, he's managed, you know, and feels like, you know, he knows the club. Um, he was a very good footballer, you know. So so you'd sort of hope that he can bring something to the table. But as I say, I don't really know what happens on a training ground, you know. No. Well, I, I think you are. I, mean, I don't think there's an issue with the. I think we have an experienced and capable uh, coaching staff. I'm not, you know, I'm... I, I think you've absolutely summed it up. It's, it, it, Moyes is being has been, you know, <laughs> treated abysmally. I think by by these managers, uh, by these um, owners. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yes. Um, all right. Well, I guess um, we'll probably wrap this up now with our predictions for the Arsenal game. I wonder how we're going in the uh, in the Caribou Cup. Uh, still, still two, two nil. nil. We, two nil. We've, 
Yeah, Charlton are having a bit of go, having a bit of a go, but we've also you know, Yarmolenko has has, has missed uh, missed an opportunity to make it three. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I think I think obviously you know I think we'll be all right. I think we'll hold on. Yeah. So um, so it's uh, so it's Arsenal at the weekend. Uh, well, gentlemen, predictions. Uh, Jim. Well. Um, uh, I want a performance, as we so often say this. Um, I think they're they're a team on the on the rise and on the march. Um, mm. So you know we've we've had the opportunities against them in recent games and not taken them. So perversely, I think we might just uh, get something out of this. I'm going to go one all. One all. Yeah. Kev, what do you think? Um, exactly, exactly the same as Jim. Um, I, I, I hope that we, we we take the momentum out of the Charlton game. Give Haller a start. He, he scored two goals, so to not see him start against Arsenal, I think would be would be a, would be a shame. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I see. I, I do see a, a one all. Um, Arsenal are kind of they've got their new little system going, haven't they? With their three at the back and stuff. So yeah. while it looked great against Fulham. Um, you know, new systems. If they're not, if, if they're not doing well in the first 25, 30 minutes, it could they could become quite disgruntled if it's not working. So I think if we if we hang in there, um, we could look for potentially a two one. I'll go two one. I don't want to be the same as Jim two on one. this occasion. Two one, yeah. two one, two one. Okay. All right. Well, yes. I'm. I'm going. I think I might go. We nick a one nil. You know, it's very. We defend. Uh, um, we defend to the hilt and, uh, you know, a bit like uh, Robert Green's uh, incredible performance when we beat them 1-0. Um, was that 1-0? It was 1-0, wasn't it? It was 1-0, yeah. Bobby yeah. Zamora, yeah. yeah, Zamora's goal. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go 1-0. All right, well, I think there's, I think that is a little bit of a fake optimism from all three of us. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, I think that's, that's sort of what we need. Um, all right, fellas. Well, I think that's uh, that's probably it for this podcast. Uh, so my name is Phil Whelans. This has been Stop Hammer Time. Uh, with me have been Jim Grant. Cheerio. And Kevin Jay. Thanks for having me, guys. Always a pleasure. Come on, you irons. Wasn't that a great podcast? Now, if you've got 90 seconds spare in your day, come and listen to ours. It's called What Has He Said Now? and is available wherever you got this podcast. You're going to lose a number of people to the flu. This is a Playback Media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at westhampodcast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.